That was too fast. We gotta go. We gotta go. Okay, ready? Okay. We're back in the podcast Hall of Fame, coming to you live from Dunlap, Indiana, in the practice room upstairs on the left, if you want to find us. We probably won't still be there by the time this episode comes no, out. If we, we are, are, please call 911. Yeah, please call our next of kin. So, Dad will be late for dinner tonight. Yeah, oh boy. <laughs> but it is kind of a nice setup in here, aside from the drab gray walls. Sound quality's good. Sound quality is great. Sound quality is so, great. So, Jack, how are you doing these days? We can say that about our um, kids. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay. Not about band, but about how, band. how are things going um, in general? Oh, it's a good it's a good one. I'm loaded up on co- cup of coffee number two. So we're for doing the day. Okay. Okay. For the day. Good. Yes, not for the hour. What do you okay. got? Um, good? I'm good. Um, new habit I started this week was drinking 64 ounces of water every day. That's in, And today I've had also, I've already had three cups of coffee. And a 32-ounce smoothie. So, just saying, I'm drinking two smoothies a day as well. Not just one, but two. <laughs> two of my meals are smoothies. Detox. It is kind of a detox. I was on vacation last week and, you know, in Canada, vacationing with the family. Saw the pics. And it was good, but just kind of needed to recalibrate the body kind of center some things sure feels good to drink that much water though and we're getting ready to kind of get back into the grind of the eight hour days for yeah. us and, and being outside beyond. a lot and the summer sun and the summer humidity and trying to be aware of our bodies and make sure that we're prepared now's the time now's the time okay there it is so this week we'd like to, or today's episode we'd like to talk about scaffolding and education. And Jack, I'm going to hand this off to you. And why don't you give our listeners at home scaffolding? What is that? That's kind of a common buzzword. It, it is a common buzzword in the education. We've world. heard it in the Concord schools. And you right? and I kind of got into it like two years How was ago. That? A year why ago? did we get into that? Or was it because of professional development at Concord? I don't know. I think we just started sniffing it around, and then we're we're using it in our classes. We found some success, and mm-hmm. in the music world, it's very necessary. I'm sure in all of our educational circles, it's necessary. But here's scaffolding, and I believe we kind of hinted at this in the previous episode. But the idea is that we take a difficult task and we break it down into different steps. And if you can think of a ladder, you put your foot on the first rung which is fairly easy to do, and then you skip rung on the second, third, fourth, so you're, you're accumulating difficulty. So by the end that you reach the top, whatever that goal is, you're successful, and you're successful at every step along the way. So our goal is that we can give students tasks that will eventually accumulate to a larger, more difficult task, but each task along the way is at an appropriate level of difficulty for them and that they're succeeding at each one. So breaking something down into many parts for the eventual goal of doing something more challenging successfully. And there's like the whole podcast. We should just shut it down right now. All right, folks. Thank you for listening this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That was was good. We should do a PD sometime. That was good. That was good. So 
scaffolding looks different in every classroom and if you're a non-teacher listening to this you've done scaffolding without even realizing it I'm sure I'm sure at some point um, for anyone driving a car perfect example you don't start on the highway going 70 miles an hour you start with mom and dad in the parking lot of Martins or Meyer or whatever right. say okay we're gonna go seven miles an hour right. no unless you're here. a criminal and then you steal a car and when you're like 15 and you're just like blitzing down the highway that would be a bad use of scaffolding that yeah right you always have a choice as you always they say. have a choice but it's so it's the building up it's the building up so you start seven miles an hour and then you start adding a turn you try using the gas pedal just a little bit you try braking using a turn signal put it in park put it back in drive then you take it out in your neighborhood street where it's a little higher stakes because you got to go straight you got to go down the road and then eventually you work your way up to the city and then to the highway and then you're going 70 miles an hour you're right? right so that's this whole idea and we're at our early point of the year and we're working with the marching band right now and everything we do is scaffolded everything we do is scaffolded right now so this is something that's been on our minds and we find success using this tool in teaching and we want to be able to kind of speak to our experiences and hopefully give some sort of probably nothing new probably not sharing right. anything new but something to kind of get the dust off a little bit right. for today so this would be good when we have the like if we had the callers now people could call in and like we could take the questions no, but that's not gonna happen. We'd have to buy a phone. We have to buy a phone. Dude, chops, <laughs> podcast. You know what would be fun though sometimes is do like a live live podcast, like stream it or something live, and then we do we get that going. What That'd if be... you have some clown on there though? You just like bump them off, or they just take it. Oh, dude, you and I can handle clowns. <laughs> that's our day job. Pickle, pickle. Yeah. So scaffolding. Okay. Maybe you and I can both think, think of something that we do in our classes to get some scaffolding. And it doesn't have to be marching band related, even though that's kind of where we are in our year at the moment. Could be more jazz related, more concert related, or piano, PCC. Prep for college career. Prep for college and careers. You got something? Got something brewing in there? I do. So with the, also with the, the scaffolding, the idea is also, if I'm not mistaken, that <clears throat> big part of it is we're, we're getting somewhere, but also that the student success rate is really high each step. And we had talked in our last episode that students experiencing success is so important to the morale. Right. I mean, obviously, but yeah. it keeps them coming back for more. Right. So I'm t trying to think of, you know, like re reframing it because like marching band is like fresh in the brain because we just got out of our fourth day of band camp mm -hmm. and we had some good experiences with, with that. But thinking about, um, I'm going to go to piano class. Perfect. Piano class is an elective. Piano class is open to as many as 20 students throughout the high school. Can be any grade, can be any experience of music. It could be any grade point average. It's not an honors class. It's not a um, special needs class. Like, all are welcome. 
And what you end up with in that class is a great snapshot of Concord High School. And you have a variety of learners and a variety of competence uh, displayed each day. So I'm going to talk about sitting at the keyboard, 10 fingers, and the students have a choice to play 88 keys at any given time. <laughs> well said. True. That's true. And I'm going to talk about something called triads. What and are ads? Huh? Like advertisements? Like you try, try advertisements? Try you ever try advertisements? I got YouTube Premium last month, so I'm a you ad free. You would have YouTube Premium. You're like Generation <laughs> Z. What are you? I'm a millennial. I'm at the cusp. You are a cusp. You're at the cusp. How dare okay. you? So um, I'm talking about triads, also known as chords. But the technical term we're going to use today is triads. Triads means play three notes at the same time. And if you're like sitting sitting down right now at a desk and you just tried to put your hand down on the desk, fine. Now, try to put your pinky and your middle finger and your thumb down at one time and hit the same surface at one time, okay? Mm -hmm. So that is the, the concept that we're going for. And many times when students try to play the piano and they just like thump down five, three, and one, it does not work. Like four goes down, two goes down, one, the pinky misses. So what do we do a lot of times as a scaffolding device, and I, this is kind of like retrofitted. I didn't even realize this was scaffolding. Oh, look at until, you. Until I was like, hey, look at me. I was doing it. I'm fascinated. Dude. Right? What are we doing? Um, take the dust covers of the keyboards and pull them down. Okay. So we're only like playing on on hardwood, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just on hardwood. So it doesn't matter where they land. Okay. It just matters there's there's that tactile connection. So we just kind of like put our fingers, like the the tips of the pads of our fingers, on a piece of wood, and we're just doing like tapping our pinky. Then we're trying to tap your middle finger, which, for most of us, if you're not a piano player or you're using your digits and something a little bit more technical, just lifting up your pinky over and over can be a little puzzling, right? We're, we're just not real. You never use, I mean, you you're just never don't doing do that. individual yeah. things like right. that. And then, you know, lifting up and down the thumb is more of a natural motion because you have your wrist in there. So we're doing like five, like tapping your pinky, three, tapping your pinky, one, tapping your pinky, five, tapping your pinky, three, tapping your pinky. Then we go like five, three, one. Five three one, five three one, five three one. Everybody good? Good. No wrong notes. Nobody has played any wrong notes. And Mr. Peterson is going around the room looking at these kids playing pieces of wood in a fluorescent bulb with a blower going and like some janky Christmas lights and it's decorated like Mr. Peterson's Menden. It's like tons of random toys and we got to put a picture of that on the yeah that'd be fun because it's fun. it's a eclectic kind of group yeah, of things glimpse into our and world. it's just uh usually a cr really like fun group of kids and i say fun because it's they don't really have anything in common except they have this class together and as a teacher you can do whatever you want you can do whatever you want it's an elective and there ain't no state standard piano test 
Now, we do approach it with a great deal of integrity. Yes, yes, we, yes. We teach. We teach. We teach. It is not a study hall by any means. And we do play piano like every day. Every day. All day, you know. So anyway, you're doing this tap, tap, tap. And then we do 5 Okay, good. Now, you kind of have the feeling of what 5-3-1 sounds like or feels like. Now, actually try to just play 5 3 one on the piece of wood and then going around. Now I know that most of you cannot see me unless you're watching a 20 second reel and Jack decides to put this on there. But sometimes what we do is take a pencil. You ever done this? You've shown me that. You trick. take That's a good. pencil and you, if you have your palm and you like lower your middle finger and then you put a pencil on top of your middle finger but under your second and fourth finger, yes. it becomes like a brace for your middle finger. Yes. And you can play five three one it's kind of like a um like a crutch for your finger right like when we were learning how to write i don't know if you had these like you get little pencil grips that yes. tell you to put your finger it's, exactly it's a pencil grip for piano yes yeah, chord yeah. Grip. so um something that yeah everybody has in their backpack except when they don't then so we're doing that then we open the piano and the angelic choir goes off and then they they're on their piano then the sound is off on the piano now by this time in the school year we know where c is and c is always to the left of the two black keys c is to the left, left of the, the two, two black keys, keys right mm -hmm. all day long so you put your c there and then they know that their middle finger goes as goes every other note so it'd be like c e and g and that, I, that's a scaffolding like from before so i'm kind of cross scaffolding right cross scaffolding it's cross scaffolding that's good then, okay, now play your C with your pinky, play your E with your middle finger, play your G with your thumb. E, or C, E, G, C, E, G, C, E, G. Reverse it. G, E, C, G, you know, okay, you get where this is going. Then, the big kahuna. Now we're going to put 5, 3, 1 down at the same time. Same time. Same time. Okay, you're still having problems with that there? Okay, let's put the crutch in. Okay, let's do that. Bonk, bonk. That's an example of scaffolding playing a C major chord in Mr. Peterson's piano class. The anti-scaffolding would be kids open your pianos, find C, play 531 C E G, go. And it just sounds like a cat sat on your piano. This, no, is, this is good. This is like this is really and good. And that's Steve. like that's that's like a very simple in piano terms. That's a very simple or um, not always easy, but a very simple concept, playing a three-note chord mm -hmm. in piano. Now, I would like to kind of break this down for our listeners, too, because mm -hmm. there's, like, many reasons why that's really good. Mm -hmm. For one, it makes every kid successful right away. As you said, they're playing on the wood. The mm -hmm. other pianos all have covers. Even if they're doing it wrong, it doesn't... The, the internal like of doing something wrong is not there because they're not with it and it gives you a chance to go around and touch base with all 20 kids and say yep yep okay no pinky pinky okay and good that's that's great because that's a good observation is that we are correcting um improper behaviors or skills yes but the the class is still moving and everybody else is feeling like everybody else is getting it yes so you got your mojo going right. in your room and as, as you said, some kids might be on step two or three of the ladder, while this kid's kind of stuck on one, 
and they're feeling good about two and three, and they don't even know that you're working with step one kid. And then, hey, he's on step two because you got time to work on it. So it keeps everybody engaged at a pace that is appropriate for them. Awesome. Two, 84 minutes was our class length this year. Mm -hmm. And if you spend all 84 minutes hands on the keys, you will lose your mind. Yes. The kids will lose their mind. So you're, you're creating different activities and you're a seasoned teacher that you can kind of just like whip these out on the fly that you're ready to roll. Um, but if you're a newer teacher, that might be something that is, is like a, a skill that's being built currently is trying to figure out different activities and ways to break down or scaffold things. So you're getting those things going, which is really good. And then by the time they open the piano, one, there's like a little more inner urge to do it because they're like, come on, come on, we've been waiting, let's go, let's go. And they're really pumped to get it right. Then when they finally do it, chances are that like 18 out of 20 kids can do it no problem right away. And then their reaction is, give me more. And the, the two kids that maybe didn't get it, they're not at step one, they're on like step nine. And you go over there and you say, no, try this. Great. Then your whole class is at the same point and that you can move forward as a teacher. And if you had not done that kind of scaffolding trick, you're having kids all over the place and that makes your job harder because you're trying to meet all different ability and, and skill levels. Because chances are, there's gonna be a kid in that class that you wouldn't have even had to say, play a C major chord and they can already do that on top of 12 other things. So you're making it at a pace that is still applicable for everybody, but gets people moving at the same time. Right. So think about that in your in your um, discipline. And I also thought about it as a parent. I have two yeah. sons. Kathy and I have two sons. And thinking about like behaviors or skills that you want people to learn. And you could do that with any class or any group of people and I think you know God bless the primary school teachers because they're the, the master scaffolders yes right? oh my god they're gosh. the ones that because they're building the pipes that go on the scaffold and they come to us with more they come to us in the high school with more skills and more experiences and more expertise and but when you're k12 k123, you're in the, that's your business. Yes. And as, as teachers, we're, we're really aware of the scaffolding and success levels of the people around us. And, but it's interesting that you bring up the parent thing. And I mean, the most basic thing I can think of that every parent teaches typically is teaching their kid how to read, right? You start with the like the three letter words or two I mean I don't even know but you start sure. I mean very small right you're not pulling out um, like gone with the wind nope. to your two year old nope. no nope. you start with like cat in the hat cat C-A-T yep. hat I mean same vowel right, right? all that stuff um, in a in a global more global sense the thing that I notice with like non-teachers um, is when people try to like explain a board game to you <laughs> You're right. You know where I'm going with this. You're like, like, it's 10 p.m. Can we roll the dice? Yeah, right. And it's always like this. This drives me insane. This is like a pet peeve of mine. But like when people try to explain board games to me, the thing you would think we would start with the objective. Like, yes. Fascinating, right? 
but they like pull out the board. Okay, so there's 48 spots on here. You got cards here. Okay, where you got four dice, but you only roll three. Stop, stop. What do, what am I do? How do I win? How do I win? What do I do? Start like start, and and that's interesting because that's like kind of what I think in like not pop culture, but just the the teachers. So if you have game night tonight, if you have game night tonight, be aware of. How your mother or father or your son or daughter or your girlfriend or boyfriend is setting up the game and how they're telling you to play this game. And for the love of everything, please let one person Tell. explain the game. Right. No. Okay, see, so no, 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 let's start there. No. Oh my gosh, is it? Can I go home yet? Oh man, that's that's, a, that's what it makes me think of. That's a good one. That's a good one. Because we've all been there. Yes. We're like, oh my. And then they, and then after four minutes, they get out the rules and just start reading you the rules. And I'm like, no. So it, it does make me think of. Um, I wonder sometimes if it it's not cheating. It's not shortcut scaffolding because it's like the anti shortcut. It's the long cut. But sometimes, like as a band director, mm. we when you're looking at a piece of music for the first time, and you scaffold. The kids are always. The goal would be to always be successful mm -hmm. so if they're not you pull it back to the previous layer yes. or the previous step and then you're not sure when to add the next layer and then sometimes it's like it feels like it's a cheat code like should i should i just let the students like fail or you know flail and not have any have limited success or am i like being too controlling because i'm like no you know, no, no, not yet. You know, am I being like too baby with my students because I'm helping them succeed and not letting them fail? I'm, I'm like being a helicopter teacher. Helicopter teacher. Just and and I and I don't think I'm a helicopter parent. And but I think like scaffolding with a skill. Or approaching a piece of music like a chapter book, there's scaffolding, then I feel kind of like a helicopter teacher. Is that bad? That's a, I mean, I'm totally with you. I knew exactly where you're going as soon as you started. Because cause it does feel like you're not giving them a chance to struggle. Because you're, you're like, as I say, the mom arm, right? Yes. Like, no, wait, let me, I got you. Well, if you make mistakes, you're learning. And then if I don't let them make mistakes, are they not learning? Have you had a class where students don't make mistakes? No, they always make mistakes. So you're fine. But maybe my, <laughs> my rungs are too far apart. I that that's such an interesting um, like dichotomy. Like, am I am I like too protective of them and not letting them stretch, or am I giving them too much at once, too much to chew? Um, this makes me think of our concert band, mm -hmm. and it makes me think of Seventh Period Sinfonietta. Shout out Sinfonietta, if anyone's listening out there. Um, it makes me think of when we do our combined music, like at our spring concert. Mm -hmm. Because that music is typically at a higher difficulty level than what we bring in for their repertoire for the year. So when we bring out the, we do our combined band music. Do you like carnival music? Carnival music. Okay. Or, yeah. Which is more difficult. Yes. Right. I, I would say it is. Yes. And, and it's a stretch for these kids. Right. And... We've, we had success breaking down some of those those rhythms, typically, or the, mm -hmm. where they struggle. And, and I kind of was 
taken more of a lead from you this year in, in, in really finding better ways to do that. Um, but it helped out. I think it helped out a lot. And even even some of our concert music, like our, our own Sinfonietta's concert music. Grade level appropriate. Grade level appropriate. I remember a lot of times we go up to the board and we'd write out a rhythm and then they get it. And then we alter it so it's a little bit closer to what they need to play. They get it again. And then we make it verbatim what's on the page. And then they get it. And I think that's great for them. Now, I in in to speak to the struggle and letting them kind of chew on things, um, I told my my kids today in our block, you're like my older kids. I, I said you're going to be tempted to immediately jump in with with your freshman marchers, and when they're playing music, you're going to hear what's wrong, and you're going to want to say, "Wait, try and fix this." And he said, "Wait till they get a chance to do it about three times. Let them struggle with it, and typically by the third time, they get it figured out." And and that's kind of how they. I don't want to say scaffold it themselves because it's not really what they're doing, but every kid's brain works differently, but they all know how to get to that goal typically. And most of them after that third try get it. So that's when I tell them, um, take your mom arm away. Just let them, let them figure it out. So it's, um, it's, it's kind of like built into that scaffolding is giving them a chance to, to fail almost so like we're talking about if you're with a group of uh, 20 students and then you break up into pairs or trios and then you have the upperclassmen, the varsity student working with the freshman student, allow them to go through it three times before you give them a critique. So they may be at a, you know, they are not at a great level at first. So they do experience that. They do. They do. So there, that's really interesting. I think there's definitely a time for both in the, in the classroom. Um, but the, the, and there's really rewarding things for the kids in, in both opportunities because when a kid overcomes their failures on their own without an adult, that's awesome. And when they never have to fail and they feel like they're getting it every time, that's a big win too. So, you wait, the last thing, okay, I'm going to go contrary here. This could be our first argument on podcast. No. Oh, well, we're filming. So okay, this so this is good. Hit me. Is it good that kids are success, always successful? I mean, if a kid goes through, obviously, well, maybe not. We don't want students to always get it the first time and always be successful. They, they, so I'm kind of going anti-scaffold. Like, we want them to trip at different times so they know how to get back up. If I, if I could go a year with no student mistakes, then I am horrible at my job because it's way too easy, right? Way too easy. Way too easy. And we're not really helping the students prepare no. for situations outside of our classroom. No. So if, I mean, if it is like all the time, then your scaffolding is incorrect. If, if it's always, they're getting it, getting it, getting it, getting it, getting it, you should make your rungs further apart. Right. Or, right, the rungs further apart or... Um, the frequency, how how quickly you add a new rung. Yes. Right? You you could accelerate it or widen it. That is that is true. That that's a good question. Because now you got me thinking. Now you got me thinking. I I think for the sake of morale in the room, the scaffolding is good. And I think you would know if it's too easy because the kids' vibe changes. 
I think in our room when we've scaffolded stuff and they've achieved, they've never been like, come on, give me something real. I don't think they've ever been that way. I think they're always pumped up when they achieve, which speaks that they're feeling good about what they achieve, that it's at a proper difficulty level for the kids. Another thought on scaffolding is that every step that you step on in your ladder needs to be very clear and very definitive. And so that goes into the know your teaching and how we communicate. And you know, you should pull up the clip of Kevin Malone. Oh my gosh. Right? This was we should talk about this today. This was this the, was a beautiful moment in the marching Minutemen today. We said we we before the cast, you know, before we did makeup in the back backstreet sound check, we decided that we weren't going to talk about like what we're doing right now because we don't want it to become like a diary of Jack and Steve to marching band. That's not what this is. But but this moment, go this ahead. is good. Okay. So we're in our freshman camp today, and we have our new marchers and optional returning members um, that choose to come back help out. And we decided to do a completely student-led instruction time. We put five stations on the field with probably 20 kids in there for each one, and three of them are leading each group of 20. And the three kids in each group, so that's like a chunk of 15 for five stations, um, got some prep with the director ahead of time, saying this is what you're doing, here's what you're gonna teach, work with them. You got four minutes mm -hmm. with each group and Steve and I are walking around and our job at this point is kind of helping out those student leaders. And we're kind of taking in assessing what's going on. And after each rotation, the student leaders come in and touch base with Steve and myself. And we kind of just give them some hot tips and teaching. Hot tips and teaching. So this is where Kevin came in. Kevin Malone. Kevin Malone. And we are fans of The Office. That we are. And uh, we share many quotes, episodes. You know, some of the kids are in the office. Oh, they totally are. Um, it's still a still a thing. And so there's that episode when they think that something is wrong with Kevin Malone, the resident accountant in the back, right? That speaks in a very calculated way normally and doesn't come across as the sharpest tool but he's a sweetheart but Kevin decides that he would make his um, use of words much more conservative and the quote is well I think maybe you should say it because I think I would yardstick along with why say many word when few words do trick right that's pretty good <laughs> that was good that was there good you go so our student leaders, this is the first time they've done this, are obviously pretty nervous to kind of be in front of their peers, leading through uh, the exercises with them. And when we brought them in, <laughs> Steve, he tells, he asked the kids, you guys feel really self-conscious in front? Yes. Did that four minutes feel like an hour? Yes. <laughs> Welcome to teaching. Right? So on like the third or fourth rotation, and we had been giving them some nuggets here and there, we're just noticing that they're taking a while to get to the instructions. And Steve pulls up the clip and just says, guys, watch this. Right, so we, play, we played that clip for him on my phone. There's like 
15 of them huddled we're all huddled around like shoulder to shoulder and i put the phone in the middle and we watched this clip and most of them knew it yes they most but why use many words when few words do trick <laughs> so the idea of just being more conci- see i just did it again be more concise use less words so then you can help the students play five, play five, three, play five, three, one, do it again, five, three, one, do that three times, five, three, one, five, three, one, five, three, one, play five, three, one together, play five, three, one together. And making sure that the the steps on the rung of the ladder are very clear. We as teachers, or they as teachers, are articulating that step very clear. I think that that's a huge part about scaffolding. And part of that is as as the teacher, you gotta you gotta know where you're going, and whether that's ahead of time, you're gonna sketch it out, or you're a little you're seasoned enough that you can come up with that on the fly. That's the key. Yeah, fascinating. Know what you're gonna teach before you try teaching it. Right. right. Yeah. So that's a little glimpse into marching band. Um, we're gonna. I'm, I'll go you, with my you, my scaffolding. You go. Um, we're gonna stay in marching band, but in a little different twist. Um, somehow last year I became like the choreo guru. I know you and I were doing that for a bit. <laughs> and then, then I got out of that. And then you got out of that because you're tenured or something. And then <laughs> I. And then. Nicole now is one of the other directors who actually does have some dance who training. Who can dance. Who can and dance. Jack and Steve are not dancers. But Jack we, and Steve oh. do not look great when they do their dance. So, <laughs> so when we say dance, we're, we're actually talking like ballet. Like in marching band, understanding uh, ballet is part of our basic vocabulary. So here's me up in front of the 200 kids trying to teach dance. And it's uh, on a six foot podium on a six foot podium. That's a little rickety when you're trying to do he's some got a headset on. And... So, there's the... so I'm trying to scaffold this. And in some ways I have an advantage because I have no clue what I'm doing most of the time. Right. I mean, I am not a ballet dancer clearly. Okay. Put that in the hot takes that he just said, I have more of an advantage because I have no idea what I'm doing. Put that. Master teacher. Master teacher. Jack, Jack Hinkle. <laughs> the yeah. fact that I don't know what I'm doing makes it easier. Okay. I think it's true because I'm trying to, th- I'm learning it myself. And mm, I'm yeah. right. And I'm trying to figure out how to scaffold it for myself. And now I'm already thinking like the students and then I can just kind of push it out to them a little more efficiently. At least that's what I'm telling myself to make myself feel better. I don't know. But we have to teach some pretty intense choreography moves in our marching band show. And we actually start preseason. We start in May while we're still at the last school year. And we bring in our eighth graders at that point who will be freshmen this summer. And we take them through a choreography night, just giving them the basics of these moves. And I have found so much success, Steve. Tell us, Jack. So much success in not speaking. <laughs> because when we're doing stuff with our bodies, like dance, just show. And it's so much easier to just go up to a kid and bend your legs. Say, look at me. Okay, you do it. 
than to say, okay, your knee needs to be at a 65 degree angle and your heels have to stay on the ground. No, stop, stop moving your shoulder. No, okay, keep your chin up, come on. No, look like me. Right. So it all starts there. And then we start adding in bits and pieces of it as we go. And the, the idea of modeling as a form of scaffolding I think is a big thing. Now, I know we teach a physical activity and there's more modeling within physical activities because that's physically what we're doing. To the math teachers, to the science teachers, I know that you're spending lots of time showing what needs to be done on the smart board and that you're writing it out and doing it again and again. But it's all the same idea. Keeping these this idea of modeling and using less words, just if they don't get it, watch me do it again. Watch me. Watch me. Okay, you and me do it together. Okay, you do it. No, watch me. You do it. Yes. And that's something I'm teaching that I have no idea what I'm doing. And that makes sense. That so, makes sense. So the fact that you don't, you're not very good at it, it you, I think it, what you opened with was that you kind of had to think about it as a student. Totally. To process it as... A student in your class totally and so that work that's a great example like where scaffolding helps you as the presenter or teacher and there's for a lot of young teachers I feel like there's a lot of why aren't they getting this and I think a lot of educators were probably good students and probably didn't struggle much and a lot of times you're not thinking about having to break something down because why would you? Because it's easy. Maybe they, they kind of forgot how they learned that. And maybe they learned it at a gifted pace, but also maybe there was some diligence and repetition and some kind of grinding on this concept that they got to this point, right? It's true. And this would also go back to in our idea of the trifecta, um, knowing your students. Because you got to know where they're at and you have to build your ladder accordingly. And I remember in my early years, I think I was cognizant of scaffolding, but I would always guess where the rungs need to go because I didn't know my students very well. And it was a lot of trial and error. Whereas now, I can see the ladder before I get in my room. I know where those rungs are going to go, and I know that I'm going to take them there. I don't always know how I'm going to take them there, which is kind of the fun part. Sure. We actually played Hangman today. I came into your room and I saw that because you, you used the word chromatic. Yes. And why was it hangman? Because that's what I felt like doing. Oh, that was guess like this is the concept we're working on today. So I drew um, chromatics because we were playing the the Remington thing yes. and I drew the valve combinations and I they were just the numbers and I started saying okay, zero, two, one. What comes next? Okay. Just didn't give it any context and I said okay, this we're gonna play hangman. Now. Hey, I saw that and they got it. Yeah. I also biffed it and forgot to put a letter in. Shocking, classic, I know, yeah, yeah. but classic that's shocking, how yeah. you play hangman okay. in school. Okay. So knowing your students and knowing how to set the ladder correctly to make that happen. So in review so far, concepts of scaffolding. Success. We know, we kind of left that a gray area like a M. Night Shyamalan movie, like you choose the ending, is it going to have success or is it bad if your kids are successful every time? Good. Let's say for the sake of this argument or this this part of the dichotomy that we're going to say student success, student success is, good. Is, is imperative. 
It's a must. Student success. Number two. Very clear with your instructions. Very clear. Three, the rungs need to be at an appropriate distance mm -hmm. and you need to know where they go. Four, it helps to be bad at something. <laughs> I probably shouldn't uh, probably shouldn't profess that, but here we are. But that's that's good. And then five would be know your students. Know your students. And, and be aware of the temperature in the room and the vibe in the room. Like, can I can I speed up the process? And or can I make the rungs further apart? Can we maybe accelerate this process? Yeah. It's true. It's true. So that that for those of you that are in the classrooms or the sidelines or whatever you're doing, that, that that's kind of the, the fun part of it, right? I mean, that's the the, the game that, that you're always planning and you're, you're always um, coaching like it's real time, right? It, it, it never goes as planned. No. Never goes as planned. So you have to be willing to make the rungs further or speed up the process or use less words right it's real time it's not it's not cracking a code that you put in the one twos and the zeros and the one zero one unlocks the next level and maybe what scaffolding worked today is not going to work tomorrow that's that's for sure for so, sure but that's kind of the fun i think that's probably why people that have chosen to stay in education or to choose their vocation as a teacher is that they one part of it is they enjoy that puzzle. They enjoy um, changing things up to get better results. Maybe an interesting thing we could we could touch on at this point okay. is isthmus sight reading in terms of scaffolding. That that's kind of the moment when you break the piggy bank open and see what's there. So isma. Indiana State School Music Association. Sight reading. You sit down with a choir or band or orchestra. You're given a piece of music for the first time. Well, it's you, in a sealed manila folder that says confidential. Sealed, yes. You just played in a performance hall your three tunes that you're really good at. And you hopefully feel good. And you're feeling really great. Like, this is great. Then you go into this locked, airtight chamber, and you have a music educator there sealed piece of music no kidding like it's closed you have a timer beep you get the papers out you look at the piece of paper it's a three minute piece of music four minute piece of music supposed to be at your grade level you prepare the piece of music for 10 minutes and then at the end of that 10 minutes you perform that piece of music for the adjudicator in the room the one hitch is you cannot play your musical instruments in those 10 minutes. Wait, you're telling me we have to make a performance and we got to practice, right. but we can't practice? We can't practice. So you are, you have the, you're standing on the first rung and then in 10 minutes, you have to jump to the seventh rung. So <laughs> it, you can imagine, okay, so if I'm just standing next to my house on this ladder and getting ready to power wash the top of my house and I'm on the first rung and you said, Steve, go, go gadget feet and go to the seventh rung, you know how this is going to go. Okay, so obviously we're having a little bit of fun with this, but it does, it, it is a great 
contrast to the scaffolding method. And I think you just said break open the ba piggy bank. Right. And and to be clear about this sight reading process, it is more focused or at least halfway on the process as much as it is on the final product when you play the piece after 10 minutes. The, the adjudicator in the room is, is really interested to see how you teach without playing and how the kids respond to how you teach. So take some creativity and just some, I don't know, cramming for lack of a better term that you're just... It, it, I mean, I did it for the first time this year with my band, yes. and it just feels like panic mode. Like I just, you're ten minutes of panic, and you're just like, okay, okay, you got please, thirty-five kids please. in the pool. Please, you're just like, okay, you do the play, play, <laughs> or don't play. No, uh, oh, good yeah. lord, uh, wait, one minute left. So, okay, oh no. So we're singing, we're clapping, we're tapping, we're saying note names, we're asking questions, and trying to get through this piece of music. And then at the 10 minutes, and then you are expected to start at the top of the piece of music and play it all the way through without stopping and without coaching the kids, without singing along with them. Truly anti-scaffolding. It's it's kind of like the mama bird. You're, you've been raising the birds oh. for the three or four months. And then at this sight reading point, you grab them by the nape of the neck it, and, and you, you just, just stand over the nest and boop, you, drop them. And you're like, oh, that didn't go well, <laughs> right? Okay, yeah, okay. No, that's that one's a goner. Yeah. Um, so that's the the scaffolding part of it has hopefully taken place for the previous four months. And I know in, in our band we've practiced that sight reading process yes. and we have a kind of a script that we take with our kids for those ten minutes. And in a scaffolding, we've been kind of talking this about it today as a short term, like you have a thirty minute lesson but oh, you're scaffolding right, right, right. into five or six rungs yes whereas this this side of scaffolding oh, okay you've been okay, creating okay. a system oh okay for so we did three scaffold, or four months but it, was a, it was a slow burn the long game okay so there are different types oh, of scaffolding okay. that's good that's good i appreciate that that you can do in your room and that the long-term ones are pretty important along with the short-term ones and that sight reading seems like a perfect example of a long-term scaffolding because that starts in, in beginning band when they're in sixth grade and they're figuring out what a quarter note is. And if we're doing things correctly, there's a common language and a common process from sixth grade through senior year so that they can keep adding onto these skills whenever they get that manila folder, hold back the tears and just try to make something happen after 10 minutes. So would this be similar to teaching AP calculus or teaching AP bio and then this is your AP test and then we can think about our two semesters as scaffolding except you know what's on the AP test there we go. <laughs> you don't know what you're getting in that sight reading room but I, I see what you're saying and yes you know you're gonna see or everything it's the long ball like you said the long ball approach to you better know what you're teaching. You better be layering things on yeah. there that the students are gaining information and using previous knowledge to apply to the future. Right? That's yes. that's the game. You better be doing that. And there's something to when they see something new that they already know how to kind of get things started without your help as the adult. That's essentially what sight reading is is that if we're if we're really good at teaching or if we have taught them well and have taught them how to read music correctly, 
you can sit a piece of music in front of them and they can play it down perfectly the first time. That won't happen because that takes so many years of practice and time that that's something that they would get when they're professional in their 20s or 30s. But that's kind of what we want to aim for. And I think the term, is the term vertical alignment? Have you heard that before mm -hmm. in education? What is, what is vertical alignment? Boy, this is going to be real rough for the Concord schools if, you know, the vertical alignment. No, it's, it's meaning that if I don't say this correctly, then, you know, we might shut this podcast we down. We can edit it out, dude. Sure. No, the vertical alignment is that grade 6 through 12 in the Concord band, basically, are they learning what they need in 6 to get to 7? Are they learning what they're 7 to go to 8? Yes. And is it, are we building... So it's more of a, it's more of like a through composed subject area. It's not, it does say vertical. So I guess, yeah, six, sixth grade on the bottom, 12th grade at the top for us, six, 12th band. But it's your, your, your kind of scaffolding, your entire right. department or your entire company, like with your core values, right? And I was thinking it in terms of, of math, because if you're, if you're an AP calculus teacher, you need that you need all of your students who took pre-calculus to come in with those same skills. And if this teacher taught this, this, and this, but this teacher did this, this, and this differently or didn't get to this, this, and this, it's hard for you to have a successful class. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And I guess that's one thing that we're fortunate to have at Concord is have all the same teachers from yes. the sixth grade to the senior year. But that, that whole idea of giving your kids a system that they can build off of and that they can anticipate how to work through the problems that come next to almost put you on the backseat, that's like the power of scaffolding. And with music, I think we get kind of lucky with this because that is pretty concrete for us that sight reading is the ultimate skill. Because if you can sight read perfectly, we do not have a place in this in this corporation. We don't need that work because the kids can read, and we wouldn't have a lesson plan for February, March, April. And if everyone has, I don't know what that would be for the you know core classes. I don't know what that would be for other electives, but having a sense of step one step two step three and the kids know what six seven eight look like and they can anticipate what the what would keep coming down that ladder they're able to function so well without an adult which goes back to kind of our end goal is that we're trying to prepare kids for yes. for life and see where that takes them that's good i think that's it's interesting to think about vertical alignment as a synonym for scaffolding but it's like really long ball really I mean, long ball. obviously in our school corporation and many most school corporations across the country is that they're trying to align their their um, reading proficiency you know and Perfect. their their reading profit or writing proficiency their computation skills and um, if you come to 
you know, Jefferson Elementary School in fourth grade, you're expected to know this, 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 and this, right? And if a student is through composed, grades K through 12, this is what we could expect. So it's, it's fun. Yeah, that, that, was, that was a good journey, thinking about piano class and a, maybe a 10-minute lesson going all the way through, um, you know, something that Jack ta taught over a long term with dance and then thinking of something like um, long-term scaffolding that's um, evaluated which would be sight reading and then thinking about scaffolding K through 12 about what does each rung look like and how do we get students to the next level in scaffolding in itself I think if done correctly promotes what we were talking about in the last episode going from the inside out because it does provide this cyclical experience of success that keeps things moving and we've seen the evidence of that in our classrooms that kids can vibe with it and we were doing for a while something called sight reading factory which turned out to be kind of fun that's great we put a random rhythm up on the board mm -hmm. four four measures so that's a, a web web base web-based um, music generator and it yeah completely random completely mm -hmm. random and you can set guidelines for it and we would give the kids a chance like we did three a day we three said a day. three a day keeps the doctor away yep. and at the beginning of the year it was pretty slow going and we scaffolded scaffolded more at the beginning of the year and by the end of the year we just pressed play we just said go okay next go and and they were they were like kind of pumped about it by the end. They were into it, and they're like, "Let's go, let's they, go." They understood the improvement that was happening and the the, the success. That yeah, that was a good that was a good. But that was like long term scaffolding. We we were at it three a day, right? Yes, that and was like um, every student every day. But we also it was like three a day. Like that was one of our things. And there were times that we felt like we didn't have time to do it. But in reality, we, we didn't have, have time, time not, not to do it. Do it. And we found that it was pretty successful in terms of our rhythm literacy in that band, which was kind of a cool thing to see. Cool. Is it about that time? It's about that time. So things wrapping up. If you have enjoyed listening to this podcast. First of all, thank you. That makes us feel good thank about you. ourselves. And we would like to hear your feedback. If you have any um, questions or compliments or complaints. You can find us. Find at, us? At Chops Podcast. Chops underscore podcast, podcast. On Instagram. Instagram. Same same handle. At Chops underscore podcast on TikTok. And if you're not already following on Apple or Spotify, press that follow that. button. That make us feel better. Yep. And, you know, we should probably stay true to our words and say thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to us today. Because you that was a choice for you to listen. That was a choice. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of it. And uh, we, um, you won't know this on the podcast, but we're going to take a week break. Yeah, that's true. We we kind of hit the ground rolling next week in our, in our day jobs. We start teaching real days next week, so we're going to take it easy, and then we'll be back the week after that. But there will be a podcast every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. And we can edit this part out later if I feel like I shouldn't right. say this out loud. But the next one, we'll have a guest. Our first guest. Our first guest. That would be a good one. It would be a good one. And uh, we'll see where this goes.
we will. So for this week, for Steve Peterson and Jack Hinkle, I'm Florian. See ya.